Well, the strange thing about the hilarious satirical opening you're about to hear is that because of time constraints, I had to write it before the votes even started to come in yesterday. For all I know, I could be reading this when you're so crushed by despair, you're actually hanging from the rafters in your attic, your blackened face staring emptily into the middle distance while your body twists slowly to the mournful rhythm of the creaking rope you tied around your neck in the realization that every possible good thing that was ever going to happen to you had already happened and there was nothing to look forward to but the sweet embrace of Mother Death. In which case, you may not find the satire as funny as I hoped you would. On the other hand, maybe the news was good and you're now hiding under your bed as followers of the party of love and tolerance burn your city to the ground, destroying your neighborhood, your business, and your dreams, leaving you with nothing but the empty satisfaction of knowing that your candidate will have four more years in office while your life slowly sinks into ruins until you finally tie a rope around your neck in the realization that there's nothing to look forward to but the sweet embrace of Mother Death. In which case, you should be in a great mood and we can laugh and laugh together right up until the moment, you know, you hang yourself. But whatever the outcome of the election is or was or may yet be, I'm sure we can all find some peace and satisfaction knowing that God is in charge of history. Or at least he was until he lost control of the House and Senate. Now he's just in charge of casting the entire earth into a lake of fire where every single one of us will roast in agony for all eternity. In which case, maybe we'll just skip the satire. Trick warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky. Life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, it's possible we're back. I haven't woken up yet, but when I do, I'll let you know we may be here. Uh, I was just saying to one of our production team, McKenna, I was telling her that uh, they forgot to pick up the garbage outside my my house <laughs> this week. So it's just been sitting out there getting worse and worse and uglier and uglier. I'm afraid if I stand next to it, they won't know which of us to pick up. Uh, <laughs> it was a long, long night. I'm sure many of you are in the same situation. But now we're all here together, uh, angry and dis- depressed and lost. And so we will uh, join together. And the way we join together is by you subscribing to my YouTube channel, uh, the Andrew Claven channel, not the Daily Wire, the Andrew Claven channel, where we now have over 200,000 subscribers, but we're trying to get to 42 billion. So please sign up, bring that little bell. You'll get notifications of my content. I will bring them personally to your house. I actually do come down the chimney and leave them under a tree, which I also bring with me uh, and leave a comment. And if the comment is angry and uh, just neurotic and crazy enough, we'll just include it because no one will be able to tell the difference from the rest of the commentary. Today, we have a comment from uh, Anthony Magaro. Uh, It says, if the socialists win, I'm sure they'll take an E from someone else's name so that there can finally be an E in Clavin. That's kind of a good deal. I I may take that one. So listen, before I start talking about what is essentially a crap show brought on not by our fellow Americans on either side of the aisle, but by our oh-so-clever leadership who think it's worth screwing with our democracy if it gives them even the slightest advantage. And let me just say, this should not be. And real Democrats and real Republicans in the populace should rise up as one and put an end to this garbage. How hard is it to hold an election on election day. You want to vote? Show up on election day. Why are we voting before the races even run, before the candidates have finished making their cases and having their debates? 
if nothing else, that just encourages idiots who think they know what they know and are never going to change their mind, which makes them idiots twice. Why should people be mailing in their ballots? They're perfectly capable of going to the polls. Every time some jackass, and this is usually on the left, says waiting online is voter suppression, she should be hit in the face with a custard pie. We are objects in space. We can't all fit into the voting booths at once. We have to wait online to get there, just like when we go to the movies. We know when elections are coming. There's no reason we can't prepare for the day and let people vote in person on the day unless they have a very particular reason not to. And how hard is it really to count votes? in such a way that a reasonable man or woman feels he has been rightly served. How hard is it to get honest people who are Republicans and Democrats both overseeing the process so not not only is the cheating kept to a minimum, but so that we trust the cheating is kept to a minimum? Is your particular party's rise to power so freaking important that it's worth sacrificing our democratic system to have messes like this? Count the votes in a way we can trust, lose gracefully, win gracefully, don't be an unpatriotic jerk. Today, right now, Trump's people are saying he's won Arizona, that they know he's won Arizona. Obviously, we have this crazy thing going on where they said, oh yeah, we've counted 98% of the vote. Oh no, it's 86% of the vote. So we just don't know what's going on. Other people are saying that every single vote that has been counted in the aftermath in Wisconsin and Michigan, every 100% of them all went for Biden. How hard is it for the press to hold people to account, to not want so badly for one candidate to win that they don't hold people to account? I haven't heard anybody question this. I don't even know if it's it's on Twitter. I don't even know if it's entirely true. We need elections that are not only fair, but that look fair. That is not that hard. It really isn't. Other countries do it. We can do this. This should not be. So you know how our friends in the media love to blame us for the fact that there is more flu going around, but there may be more flu going around because it's flu season. <laughs> in flu season, you want to take extra care to keep your immune system working well. When you're pushing your body hard, feeling run down, it's important to take care of yourself with the proper vitamins and nutrients. That's why Liquid IV created hydration multiplier plus immune support to maintain and strengthen your immune system. Liquid IV is a way of hydrating really quickly, but hydration multiplier plus immune support is a cutting edge blend of vitamin C, vitamin D, very important, vitamin D, zinc, and well-immune in convenient single serving packets. That vitamin D is especially important and zinc, especially important with this uh, Chinese flu going around. Liquid IV's new hydration multiplier plus immune support is available at Walmart or order online and get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Claven at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code Claven Claven at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today, plus strengthen your immune system at liquidiv.com, promo code Claven. And I know what you're thinking, please, please, but I don't know how to spell Claven, please. It's K-L-A, don't panic, it's K-L-A-V-A-N. No <laughs> so we're not going to know the full results of this for days. I mean, first of all, there's going to be the counting, then there's going to be the lying, then there's going to be the accusations, then there's going to be the court. I'm hoping this is not going to go on forever. I think it'll end up, it's got to end up in court, but I don't think it'll go on for more than a week. You know, maybe, yeah, may, about a week. That's what I'm guessing. Uh, but we're not going to know today. Uh, so I'm not, you know, I'm going to keep checking Twitter, but I'm not going to look unless something incredible breaks. Uh, you know, and just report to every new rumor and every new uh, development. Let's just look at what happened, what's happened so far. 
here are the statements that were made. We did a great show for, I think we're, I was there, I think for 12 hours, 14 hours. Uh, here's the statement that Biden made as the night was winding down and people were starting to say, we're not going to count anymore because why? Because they couldn't stay awake. I don't know why, but that's what they were saying. Here's Biden's statement. This cut 15. We believe we're on track to win this election. We knew because of the unprecedented early vote and the mail-in vote, that it's going to take a while. We're going to have to be patient until we, uh, the hard work of tallying the votes is finished. And it ain't over till every vote is counted. Every ballot is counted. <laughs> That's Biden said the right thing. That's what you basically say in that situation. And here's Trump, what he said, cut 16. North Carolina, big victory with North Carolina. And... So we won there. We lead by 76,000 votes with almost nothing left. And all of a sudden, everything just stopped. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. It was pretty funny because we were sitting there. It was me and uh, Michael and Ben and Jeremy and uh, Bill Whittle, I, I think, was there. Yeah, Bill was there. And we're watching him and we're waiting, watching him. It's like watching this car get closer and closer to the edge. And we're going, no, don't go, don't go over there. But he did. He went over the edge. He said he had already won, which wasn't true. Uh, he said he already won. And uh, the, the, the people were trying to steal the election. And it was really the, the reactions in the room were very funny because, of course, Ben got very upset. He said this. He always goes too far. Uh, Knowles supported him. Uh, I fell in between, uh, you know, and, and the reason that's that, that's our personality. I mean, Ben, Ben is not, you know, the funny thing about Ben is he, he talks about politics, but he's not really a political person. What he is, is a moralist. He is a guy who talks about morality. And I think that that's a wonderful thing to talk about. Sometimes when you apply it to politics, it doesn't quite jive, you know, so sometimes you're getting angry at people because they're acting like people in a political situation. And that's what, what I think is happening here. Knowles is a partisan. Knowles goes over the top and I'm a novelist. I'm always sort of reflecting on what's happening. And the reason that brings me down between the two of them is because I'm rooting for Trump. I think he's the better candidate. Obviously, I think Ben is right about the morality of the situation. But the thing is, sometimes Trump says the wrong wrong thing because he doesn't have ABC, CBS, NBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post to say the wrong thing for him. That is why when they say Trump is boorish, when they say he's rude, I say, yes, he is. And that's wrong. But at the same time, he doesn't have that vast network of communication systems to say the wrong things and be rude and boorish for him. He doesn't need to, you know, he has to call people names because he doesn't have the Washington Post and NBC and CBS to call his opponents names. He has to do it himself. He's the only one who has the voice to do the wrong thing the way the left does the wrong thing. And that's why I fall in between. It's just, you know, when they say character is fate, that certainly is what you get at the Daily Wire. You get three different characters, you know, and soon you'll have more. We've got Candace uh, Owens coming in. Uh, but you get different characters giving you different takes, but giving you our honest takes. And each one of us uh, does does something else. And, you know, you know, you you do have to remember that a lot of things, a lot of things leading up to this went wrong. You know, it was so late in the day that I was having a hard time putting some of this into words, putting into words why I was willing to support uh, what was clearly, clearly not the right thing to do, what Trump said. Uh, but again, 
he didn't doesn't have this massive, massive narrative uh, machine spewing out the wrong thing, saying that it's going to be a cheat. You know, the AG, uh, the um, AG in Pennsylvania, where we're going to have obviously this is going into court. Uh, this guy, Josh Shapiro, uh, saying, you know, when it all comes in, when all the votes come in, Biden will have won. And then suddenly when he realizes that, oh, he's given them a lawsuit right there, he comes out and says this is cut eight. We can have confidence in this process. These votes are going to be tabulated. They're going to be counted. Uh, And at the end of the day, the will of the people of Pennsylvania is going to be respected. I think you're going to see a lot of movement in those numbers today just by virtue of the fact that these ballots are counted. You've correctly pointed out that there's a significant amount of ballots outstanding in southeastern PA, which historically has been a large Democratic vote. But the most important thing from my perspective right now is that we get an accurate count, that we count all the ballots as required by law, and that the will of the people is respected. Too late, jackass. It's too late. We already know you're a partisan skunk. And that's the thing. Trump does not have the machinery of communication that that guy has, that he has in in all the news media. And so Trump says things. He goes over the top, drives Ben crazy. I don't blame him. But at the same time, he's fighting against an empire of lies. So I got to reflect on I'm going to reflect on the last night a little bit, Uh, you know, just to I'm sure you all know the results at this point. But uh, it does look like we're going to hold the Senate. That is a massive, massive win. It does look like we're going to pick up uh, House seats. Nobody predicted that the pollsters lost last night. Big time. The mainstream media lost last night. Big time. Uh, The whole Trump is Hitler thing is not playing Uh, identity politics. A lot more blacks voting for Trump, a lot more Latinos voting for Trump. I think the most uh, people of color uh, voting for a Republican candidate, I believe, since 1960, I think. I think that's quite right. I mean, obviously, a major, major realignment against this guy, Trump, in spite of and with all of the mainstreaming of this entire empire of lies spewing nonsense about him being a racist. They're not buying it. Very, very important. Uh, we'll talk about that. You know, with, that's part of the culture. Uh, it means that it mean you know, identity politics. What is identity politics? It's socialism by other means in America, because we've usually had fairly flexible class systems, because in America, a guy who was born uh, in the upper middle class can be friends with a guy who was born in the lower class. It doesn't matter if they come into the same uh, sway, if they come into the same class through their work and their effort and their merit, uh, they will become friends. I lived in England. I, I'm not going to tell the story now, but I had a dinner party of people, different classes. It was one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. I actually had to separate them, not physically, but I actually had to t- take them off each other. The classes can't mingle there because they don't have the flexibility that we have. And so we don't have a class system. So Marxism hasn't worked well here. You can't sell it to us on a class system, but you can sell it to us using the racial uh history that has been here. It's been everywhere, but they can pick on us for that. We came to terms with our racial history, so we have a lot of shame about it, uh, which is right. It was shameful. And so we've come to terms with that and we uh, we fixed it. We actually fixed it. Uh, we didn't fix the human heart, but we fixed our country. So the, communi- the communists, the socialists uh, play on that, try to keep that alive. 
Uh, and I think that that's falling apart. And we'll talk more about that. But I want to just talk about our show last night. And because I think it's it's really important. You know, a lot of we, we frequently talk about Andrew Breitbart saying politics is downstream from culture. But that doesn't mean what people think it means. Uh, that doesn't mean that culture causes political things. It means that culture comes first. Culture sees the future. You know, T.S. Eliot said that uh, a great poet, when he writes himself, writes his time. But when a great poet, a great writer, a great artist writes his time, he also writes the future because you can look into the time and see that how things are going to unfold if he captures it so well. That's why Hamlet has been true for 400 years. You can see things happening today that are predicted in Hamlet uh, because it's such a great piece of work. And that's the thing about the culture. And yesterday, the God King, who earned his title yesterday, I gave, I gave him that title. Uh, he earned it yesterday. Uh, he earned it. He is turning the ship of the Daily Wire toward the culture, uh, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Bringing Candace Owens in to do a, a show before a live audience, uh, getting some investigative reporters, something I've been banging the drum about for 20 years, uh, get, moving into fiction, which I hope I will have a, a large hand in. Uh, and, and, you know, it's funny because... These are things that I've been militating for for not for 20 years, but in the, at the Daily Wire since I got there. Uh, when I first saw Candace Owens, I brought her on the show and I walked out of the show and I walked into Jeremy's office this is like four years ago and said, uh, you know, you've got to hire this girl. But the thing is, I won't say that it's easy for me to do that because I actually have a gift. I actually have a gift of seeing which way the culture is going. I actually have a gift of seeing talent when it comes out. You've seen me pick people out, including Knowles. I'm still repenting for that. I actually go to Catholic, and even though I'm not a Catholic, I go to Catholic confession for, for picking out Knowles' talent. But still, I do have a gift for that. But it's a different gift than making it happen. This is the thing. I've been banging this culture drum for a long time, but I'm Geppetto. I go into a room, I make stuff. That's my job. That's my nature. That's who I was made to be. I'm not a guy who creates big structures. I can do things because an artist travels alone and he travels fastest who travels alone. But Jeremy is running a big operation. He's the guy who's got to throw the money around. He's the guy who's got to make the investments. He's the guy who's got to make, you know, put the people in place at the right time when it'll work. I can be ahead of my time because if I write a book and it's ahead of its time, and I've done this numerous times, it'll still sell a, a lot Later, you know, it'll have what they call in publishing a long tail. It might come out and people say, I don't get this because it's ahead of its time, but people will catch up with it. I can do that. He can't because if he does that, he loses the money and then he doesn't get to do it. So it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing to see what it's what he's doing. And I was watching. I, I can't help this because, again, I am a novelist and I stand back and I look at things. And I was watching our conversation last night and the people who were coming on and the level of conversation, the kind of conversation we're having, the fact that we're all different, the fact that Ben's a moralist and I'm a novelist and Knowles is a partisan and, and Jeremy is kind of having a different view of it from his uh, capitalist perspective, we'll say. Uh, you know, that, that's just the fact that we all have those different points of view and we argue in a friendly way and we talk about different things. But we also had these people on, you know, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, came on. Uh, Megan Kelly, who has her new podcast, came on. I, I was sitting there just listening to these people who are adults, you know, and, and the difference between Megan Kelly on cable news where she is restricted by commercial concerns that she has to serve cable news and having her just come on and talk to us with her expertise and her intelligence and her the fact that she has covered courts and is a lawyer and listening to this woman of high intelligence and and insight just discourse, discourse, <laughs> discuss things with us uh, without the kind of sensationalism of uh, either network or cable news. 
that was an amazing thing. I was sitting there going, wow, I, you know, I always knew she, obviously she's a bright woman, that, you know, but I didn't know this was a genuinely bright person and an obviously decent person looking for uh, answers and, and not going off in a partisan rant. Governor DeSantis, the same thing, talking about working with people uh, on the left, talking about going into black neighborhoods and talking to people who don't agree with him, who don't vote for him, but whom he wants to help, uh, talking about the way he treated the flu and opened up Florida when everybody else was shutting down because he was reading the numbers. And then we had on Eric Weinstein and we, you know, people were going on because it's hard to know what the hell he's talking about because he talks in this very intellectual, over-elevated uh, way. But, I, you know, I was trying to, in, with, in my small way trying to understand what he was saying. And he's a liberal. He was on the other side and he was blaming us for a lot of things we're not to blame for. But at the same time, I was listening to him and I, I thought, no, I, I see some areas of, uh, you know, where we can meet, where we could talk about things. I mean, it, it was just the level of conversation on the Daily Wire. And I'm not doing this as an ad. I mean, Jeremy will tell you, I never say anything I don't mean, which can annoy the hell out of him and everybody else. But I, I'm telling you, because I was really touched and moved by this, that if we had this, if we could move this spirit into the culture, we would have a very, very different culture. I mean, that's a very, very different culture than we have now. I mean, compare it to Cenk. How do you, I don't even know how you pronounce his name. The young Turk, uh, Cenk Unger, is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah, all right. <laughs> They're telling me that's close enough for jazz. Uh, which is what we're doing here. It, let, listen to him when he thought that the tide was turning and uh, Trump was going to win. Cut 17. Forget him being a racist. Forget him being a fascist. The guy's IQ is lower than 70. He's an idiot. He's a total moron. And you couldn't figure out how to crush him in an election. Man, the corporate Democrats and the mainstream media suck at this. They absolutely positively suck and they brainwash smart people into compliance. That's been the culture for 50, 60 years. God willing, the Daily Wire is going to change that. And good for God, King Dale, uh, Jeremy Boring, who, like I said, earned his title. I gave him that title. He deserves it. I, I take my I would take my hat off to him if I could have if I had a hat. Um, <laughs> So you know what you know what I'm missing right now? I'm missing my Helix mattress because I haven't seen it in two days. I got home so late last night. If I, I floated for like an hour over my Helix mattress and then got up again, uh, I it's a torment. I will sometime this afternoon uh, get back to my Helix mattress because it is so comfortable. I just want to lie on it. And this time, I'm pretty sure I'll be asleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. The quiz is fun in and of itself. But it will help you get a great mattress, whether you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, or me, a non-sleeper. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired. So go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin, take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, or for me, the best lying awake of your life. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. You want to lie in comfort as you consider the big questions of life, like how do you spell Clavin? Oh, I'm never going to make it for the rest of the day. But so I, I want to talk about something else a little bit. Uh, again, as a novelist, just look, stand, stepping back, looking at what happened, I couldn't help but feel that the ghost of John McCain hovered over everything. And the reason this is important, the reason this is important is because 
it, it tells it, it illustrates a point I've been making since Donald Trump got elected. And a lot of people have yelled at me about it. a lot of Trump partisans have yelled at me about it as if I were criticizing Trump, but I'm not criticizing Trump. Trump is a world historical figure. What I mean by that is he represents something very true about the time. And he reminds me in this, I, I sometimes compare him to Napoleon because Napoleon, not because he was a great, you know, Napoleon was a great general and a conqueror and more than Donald Trump is, but Napoleon represented a moment uh, in War and Peace Leo Tolstoy's uh, great novel, he puts forward this theory that Napoleon doesn't matter, uh, that that history will find a Napoleon to represent it, that history needs a Napoleon, it'll find a Napoleon, it just happened to be Napoleon. I don't agree with that. I sometimes think Tolstoy wrote that entire book, it's 1,400 pages long, I think he sometimes wrote that book to try and explain away the fact that the Russian people, even though they were attacked by Napoleon, loved him, all of Europe was just absolutely taken with Napoleon. That's all they talked about, just like Trump. It's all they talked about was Trump. And Trump represents something in the culture. And, and But Tolstoy was half right. History does find people who represent it. You know, I mean, individuals matter, but history does find people who represent it. And history in America has found Donald Trump. Now, he lost, it, it, well, Arizona is still in play. They're saying that they've won, that they may have won Arizona. But if he lost Arizona, we, we've certainly lost the two Republican senators we had there. And now they have two Democrat senators. And it, that was the turning point when he when Trump won Florida yesterday. We thought, wow, he's in with a chance. But then when he lost Arizona, we thought, wow, this is a much, much harder way to go. And I have to think, we, you know, there may be a million reasons why he lost Arizona. But I have to think that part of it has to do with his attack on John McCain and John McCain was a beloved figure. He won, you know, the Senate in uh, in Arizona again and again, uh, and he was a, a much admired man. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> when you think back, remember it started. People always quote Trump, but it started with John McCain. John McCain called all of Trump's followers crazies. It was kind of the first, the pre-deplorable, deplorable line. And this was Trump's response. We'll play the whole thing just so you remember how egregious it really was. This is cut thirteen. So he insulted me, and he insulted everybody in that room. And I said, somebody should run against John McCain, who has been, you know, in my opinion, not so hot. And I supported him. I supported him for president. I raised a million dollars for him. It's a lot of money. I supported him. He lost. He let us down. But, you know, he lost. So I never liked him as much after that, because I don't like losers. But, but Frank, Frank, let me get hero. to it. He's he hit me. Hero. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. Five and a half years. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Do you He's agree with that? He's a war hero because he was captured, okay? You can have, and I believe perhaps he's a war hero, but, but right now he said some very bad things about a lot of people. All right, so as a politician, I really disliked McCain. He was a, a, a poodle for the press. He loved being called a maverick. He never understood that when he actually ran against a Democrat, as he did against Obama, they would turn on him like the wolves and, and coyotes they are and rip him to pieces, which they did. He just never quite got that it was all fake. He was a maverick because he sometimes voted with Democrats. The McCain-Feingold law was absolutely horrible attack on free speech. It needed to be busted. It was busted by the Supreme Court. Finally, uh, his refusal to repeal Obamacare was a personal attack on Donald Trump. We know this because he promised again and again to do it. He had the chance to do it and he didn't do it in a way, you know, he was dying at that point, but he flew to Washington to give it thumbs down because he wanted to get Trump 
for that. He was all those things. He was a bad uh, Republican. He was a rhino. There's no question about it. He was also a guy who who was shot down in Vietnam, who broke both his arms and then was beaten uh, by, by with rifle butts and bayoneted and then taken to the Hanoi Hilton, uh, the, the Polo prison where they tortured him some more. Uh, he His Captors didn't treat him. Uh, he, he was beaten. He was offered to be released because his father was high up an admiral and they wanted uh, they thought it would be good press if they released him. He refused to go. He refused to be treated better than his men. They then just unleashed a, a hellish torture on him until he finally signed some document, uh, you know, attacking the U.S., which for which he never forgave himself. The guy was a hero. He was a hero of a, in a major way that led Let's face it, Donald Trump, nor you, nor I can really uh, comprehend. He was a gigantic, patriotic war hero. So, you know, when Donald Trump did that, can you blame Meghan McCain, Can you, his daughter, when she stood up? Here she is standing up at uh, her father's funeral. And this is what she said, cut 14. We gather here to mourn the passing of American greatness. The real thing not cheap rhetoric from men who will never come near the sacrifice he gave so willingly, nor the opportunistic appropriation of those who live lives of comfort and privilege while he suffered and served. So this had to have an effect on Arizona. And, you know, if you can blame a daughter for doing that, you can say, well, you know, get in line. Come on, we got to get on the Trump train. You, gotta, you know, baloney. Baloney. If you're going to forgive Donald Trump for being a loudmouth, and we all forgive him, we're all used to him by now, you, you got to forgive a, a man's daughter for not wanting to see her hero father uh, diss like that. And this had a huge effect. You know, when I say Donald Trump is a tragic character, people think I mean that it's sad that he's uh, the president. That's not what I mean. Tragedy is when two imperatives, two things that must be conflict. That's what tragedy is. It's when two things that have to happen can't both happen, right? Um, uh, my son, Spencer, no relation, who did a great job last night on the show. Uh, he, he's a classic scholar. He always talks about the Oresteia, uh, the great play cycle, the great Greek, ancient Greek play cycle, uh, in which the, the imperatives are, you must not harm your parents, but you must avenge your father's death and then your mother kills your father, right? So you must avenge your father's death, but you can't harm your mother. But one of those things has to happen. That's tragedy. And the tragedy of Donald Trump is that it takes Donald Trump to fight the press, to fight the uh, academies, to fight the left, uh, who have so much cultural power in this country. It takes his rudeness. It takes his crudeness. It takes his insults. It takes his brashness. But it may have cost him Arizona. It may have cost him Arizona. And I'll tell you another place where the ghost of John McCain was haunting. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham used to follow. They were good friends, but it was clear that John McCain was the kind of dominant personality. After John McCain died, Lindsey Graham became Lindsey Graham 2.0. Do you remember this when he was fighting? Uh, he was defending Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, they just play this moment. This cut three. If you wanted an FBI investigation, you could have come to us. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open, and hope you win in 2020. You've said that, not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. When you see Sotomayor and Kagan, tell them that Lindsey said hello, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, 
you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy. Are you a gang rapist? No. <laughs> so that was, that was a Lindsey Graham who never, never existed <clears throat> when John McCain was alive. That was a Lindsey Graham who did not exist until John McCain died and let him go. So that ghost of him was there today, yesterday, when Lindsey Graham won re-election. Here's part of his acceptance speech. Cut one. We got a mountain of debt. There is no way for the Republican Party to get the country out of debt. Have to work together like Ronald Reagan did in Tip O'Neill. I may be the budget chairman. It looks like we're going to hold the Senate. I promise my Democratic colleagues that if you'll work with me, I'll work with you because the debt is going to ruin the country. And I just want to remind everybody, whatever differences we have, they pale in comparison to what we believe in, which is the right to pick our leaders. I can tell you there are people out there that hate Chuck Schumer just as much as Lindsey Graham. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But radical Islamists don't see us as Republicans or Democrats. They see us as infidels. <laughs> that's that's a, you know that again. Lindsey Graham was always a hawk, always followed McCain in his hawkishness. But that is a speech calling for unity, but reminding us that that unity has to come in terms uh, in American terms. We're not going to have unity with people who make excuses for Islamists. That was you know that was a powerful speech. He went after the press. He talked about the fact that the press lost, uh, and that's a, that also that also has to do with the ghost of John McCain. He was a big figure last night in a lot of different ways. So guys, do you want to lose your hair? Of course you don't. Look at me. Look at me. Do you no? Do you want to look like this? No. Look at me. So <laughs> did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? That's that's about when I actually hit my much earlier. But you can get treated from home with Keeps. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. The girl behind the checkout counter going, hey, this is for baldness. You want the baldness stuff? You don't want that going on. You just want to get it delivered to your home by Keeps. Prevention is key. Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Clavin to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Clavin. I know you're thinking, everybody can spell keeps. What am I, an idiot? It's, how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. No ease in Clavin. I just make it look this incredibly easy. Duh. It's an incredibly tight race, and we have kept you in the loop every step of the way with all of yesterday's coverage, and we're going to keep covering it. Uh, and it's still too soon to tell who wins, so join Daily Wire now and get 25% off with code ELECTION. We are keeping that code in place while this fight goes on, and you can keep on with us uh, and get all the unfolding twists and turns, and there are sure to be a lot of them. So it's 25% off your Daily Wire membership with code ELECTION when you sign up today, because if there's one thing 2020 has taught us, it's that anything can happen. Uh, if you get on All Access, you will get to talk to each one of us uh, through the week. We have All Access every day, and then one of us comes on and answers questions and takes uh, comments from you. I will be doing that uh, today. I'm, I'm putting aside, by the way, the mailbag for today. There's just too much to talk about, uh, so I'm leaving aside the mailbag. So please send in uh, 
if you're a subscriber, please send in your questions uh, now and uh, we'll we'll handle them tomorrow. We'll try and handle them tomorrow unless the news overwhelms us. Uh, But uh, but we'll put it off for today. So come on over to thedailywire.com, subscribe, send in your questions. All my answers will be guaranteed correct and will change your life, possibly for the better, possibly (laughs) just going to go on and on like this. So big hero yesterday, Mitch McConnell, apex predator, cocaine Mitch. (laughs) You know, this is another thing, another thing we should think about, right? Partisans, people like me, you know, people who want one side to win. We frequently don't like the institutional man. And a lot of old political hands have lectured me about this. The institutional man is the guy like John Boehner. So I I just like he just drove me crazy, Boehner. Mitch McConnell. I remember when Mitch would drive Ben crazy. You know, you want them to do the, the right thing. Do the do the moral thing. Do just why don't you? Where's your courage? Where's your backbone? But they're thinking in a totally different way. They are pulling the strings of a gigantic puppet, which is uh, this gigantic machine, which is the institution, the institution of the Senate, the institution of the House. They are working. You know, they say politics is the art of the possible. They're working for the possible in the situation. Remember, Mitch McConnell said uh, the winners make uh, laws, the losers go home. That means you got to win first. That means you got to make sure that your majority stays in place. That makes means you got to make sure when you're the leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, where the money is going to go, where the Democrat Party money is going to go. This guy held off a challenge. They were spending hundreds of millions of dollars going after Senate seats, and they lost. They lost big. I mean, they they won. Uh, where did they win? In, in Colorado, they won, but they lost their attack. Uh, attempt to uh, to gain others. We lost two seats and gained the one in Alabama and may have gained another one. So that's that's Mitch McConnell. Uh, that's heroic stuff. And they went after Mitch McConnell big time. They set a ton of money on fire going after Mitch McConnell. Uh, and and he he beat him. He beat him. And he's been great during the entire Trump era. Why? Why was he great during the Trump era? And he wasn't before. I, you know, I remember I don't mean to make fun of Ben making bad predictions. because We all make bad predictions. Uh, but this was one where Ben said, you know, Mitch McConnell will never have the guts to stand up for Supreme Court justices if the left stands against him. Well, he proved that he proved that uh, to be wrong. Why was it wrong? It was wrong because we he, Ben was reacting to the institutional man, which is a very frustrating thing. It's very frustrating. These institutional guys will not act if they don't think they can win. You know, when he saw Trump in there, he thought, I can get these judges now. And suddenly he turned into apex predator cocaine Mitch. That's that's exactly what happened because the institution, because that possibility was there. He suddenly was a different person because he is the institutional man. Uh, let's take a quick look at his um, his victory speech, really uh, quite an amazing, impressive victory, uh, seeing there was so much against him. Uh, this cut four. This is no time to attack our Constitution like some outdated relic. These are the times it was made for. This is no time to tear down statues of our founders and heroes. This is the time to follow their example. This is no time to declare war on our institutions because one side is angry that the framers made it hard to achieve radical change. This is a time to defend all that we have inherited and pass it on even stronger. And that's the voice of a winner. That's the voice of a guy who knows he has done the thing that he set out to do. So are they going to learn anything on the left? (laughs) You know, the media just lost. They lost in a big, big way. Their polls were wrong. Their predictions were wrong. 
all their attempts. I was playing yesterday that Trump is Hitler, Trump is Hitler, Trump is Hitler. All that stuff went up in smoke. It did not work. You know, there's a way to look at this where you just say, what what happened? Let's let's say Trump loses. I mean, it's going to be close. It's going to go into the course. But let's say he loses. He didn't lose uh, by much. He certainly didn't get it was about the same, really, in terms of the uh, popular vote as it was last time. All that work didn't go anywhere. The fact that Donald Trump didn't expand his base is what will have taken him down if that's the case. But but it means that everything they did was wrong. So it means that the public was kind of making decisions, kind of supper table, kitchen table decisions. We're saying, well, the economy, you know, he had a great economy, but the economy's gone now. Look, we can sit around and talk about the fact that that's not Trump's fault. But, you know, you're an ordinary American out there with working, not paying attention to politics every minute of the day. You know, suddenly things are not going as well as they were going. Donald Trump didn't do a good job. Maybe your folks got sick uh, from the flu and we say, well, you know, it's not it's not Trump's fault, uh, but Trump's the guy, you know. So maybe the people were just making kind of common sense decisions and not listening to all this garbage that makes us crazy. Here is uh, Jim Vandehey from Axios, a left leaning um, outlet, but not an entirely dishonest outlet. Uh, he's this he's the CEO of Axios and co-founder, I think. Uh, this is cut seven. All of us have to have a little bit of humility. And a lot of people living in bubbles have to realize they don't understand America. Republicans way overperform. There's so much that we're going to be unpacking uh, in the coming weeks. But I do think like the one thing all of us can learn is to have a little bit of humility that there's something going on. And we talked a lot about it yeah. on the show, all these yeah. flags, the boats, everything. There's something going on out there that the, the most of the media has been uh, missing. And, and obviously, Donald Trump and Republicans are the big beneficiaries of that as we sit here today, even if Trump loses the presidency. See, that that actually is insight. And look. I've been saying that for four years, right? I've been saying that ever since Trump got elected. Says, Take a look at why. You know, don't don't tell the people that they're deplorable, ugly, stupid, racist. You know, what do they say? It's their country. It's the people's country. It's not your country. You know, it, it's, it's your country insofar as you are one of the people, but you have no special right to it because you went to Harvard, because you went to Yale. You have no special right to it because they stick a microphone in your face and you get to talk on TV. You got no, it doesn't make you any better than anybody else. I don't care what you're an expert. In, you may not know as much as the guy on the line doing the job. If you sit around and you studied how to, you know, this is the old comparison. If you sat around studying how to make, you know, the pencil industry and you have a business major, so you think you know about pencils, you do not know as much as the guy who makes the eraser about making erasers. And that's the thing that these people never understand, that people spend their money more wisely than the government can. So taking money away from them is taking wisdom out of the market. Obviously, they're going to be taxed. Taxes, death and taxes. We always know that's going to be there. But this is the thing. Will they do any of this? Well, let me show you a really funny clip of Mike Barnacle. I think this is gut five on Morning Joe. He's talking to Mika Brzezinski uh, and he's trying to get this assessment of what, you know, what went wrong. Uh, you can listen in real time to the guy getting everything wrong all over again. This is cut five. We are now living in a nation seeking an identity. One of the few things mm -hmm. we do together as a nation in this day and age is vote. And we all voted yesterday. And look where we are today. So clearly, there's a, a huge, huge number of Americans who resent being told what to do, how to live, how to feel about things, resent in particular us, the media, for trying to tell them these things. And whoever is president of the United States, 
look at COVID is going to be the number one issue to deal with. There's no doubt about that. But sub around COVID, around every other issue, every other economic issue and cultural issue, the job of the next president of the United States, whoever it is, is going to be try to figure out how we can heal this nation because the rupture in this country is incredibly wide. Well, uh, and COVID did not resonate uh, with a lot of voters. That's right. It, she's absolutely right. What was so great about that cut from Mike Barnacle is Barnacle is saying that people don't like being told what to do, what to think. They don't like us telling it what to do. And obviously, COVID is going to be the big issue. It wasn't the big issue. That was, The economy was the issue. The economy was the things that people in the exit polls were telling them most about. And the other thing that was, <laughs> so he, gets, he gets it wrong. He starts telling people what to do and what to think, even as he's telling people that they don't like being, they resent him for telling them what to do, what to think. It's just it's just who he is. He can't stop himself. And that's, of course, not even the far left, which you get over at MSNBC. Uh, their guy, Jason Johnson, here's his, re- his reaction to the fact that people of color were voting for uh, Donald Trump. This is cut nine. We look at the, the lower numbers for Latino, you know, uh, Biden underperforming with Latinos, Biden underperforming with African-Americans. I think we also have to remember to put the focus in the right place, though. This is about white folks. This is about white people who saw a president who was corrupt and sexist and violent and mismanaged an entire pandemic that's killed over 230,000 people by the election. And they said, I want some more of that. So even if every single black person and every single Latino person had come out and said, hey, we're going to support Joe Biden, it wouldn't have been enough to overcome the number of white people who are okay with Trump and his mini version of Trumpism, which is DeSantis, who was also responsible for some of the voter suppression in the state, which kept black and Latino voters from getting to the polls. What? <laughs> Latino voters were going to the poll. I mean, he Trump did so well in Miami-Dade because of the Latino voters there. And <laughs> but it's all about white people. He just can't stop hating the white people. It's even when even when blacks and Latinos are voting for Trump, it's white people's fault. Unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. And also, I just love this take from Univision's uh, Maria Alina Salinas. This is a uh, cut. Well, I don't know which cut it is. Do you have that? Well, you you know, that has been a message throughout with Cuban-Americans. It has resonated with Cuban-Americans. But this time, the message was much stronger. There was a lot of disinformation in radio stations in in Miami, in in Spanish-language media there. And they really scared people uh, into socialism. And especially now Venezuelans. Venezuelans are only 2% of the vote, the Latino vote. However, they are coming out in larger numbers. So it really is the turnout that is being effective. You also have Central Americans. You also have Colombians. So that, that's why it's resonating so much. <laughs> I was scared by disinformation. You got these... It's like I love, I love the, the the condescension. You know, they could. Just, it's not that they sat around and thought, and eh, these people are socialists. We've seen some of that. I don't want any more of that. We'll vote for the other guy. You know, common sense. No, no, no. There was oh, those scared Latinos. They were they hardly even speak English. How could they even understand what people were? You know, the condescension of the left telling people who they should be according to their identities. This is. As far as I'm concerned, and listen, this is this is my my gift. I do see things in the culture. I see them up ahead. This is the good news in this election. No matter what happens, this is the good news. I've been saying this for quite some time. the The racial divisions in this country are actually healing. They are healing naturally. People are starting to understand that 
you know, t- everything takes time. Things take a long time. There was a lot of animus in this country, a lot of mistreatment of black people. Yeah, was it international? Sure. But still, there was something here. You know, here we are asking people to assimilate into the culture that is the same culture that oppressed their ancestors. That's a little bit of an extra move than Jews, Italians, and Irish. We're asking them for a little bit of extra grace. We're, you know, conservatives have to appreciate this. We love assimilation. We want everybody to come in and be part of America. But we are asking blacks for a little bit of extra grace because it happened here. Jews were tormented in Europe. Italians you know, came over because they were escaping Italy, Irish escaping the, the Brits. Here you come in, we all supposed to get together under the creed of the country, but blacks, the problems happened here. That's an extra step of grace required for assimilation. But assimilation is happening, and the way we know it's happening is from the culture. The culture is telling us it's happening. Hamilton is telling us it's happening. Uh, Get Out, that movie Get Out, was about the fear of it's happening. That's what it's about. It's about the fear of black assimilation. Will we lose our souls if we become a bigger part of America? But the welcome mat is out now. The welcome mat is out, and that is making the socialists crazy, because that's the only thing they've got. They can't start class war here. They have to start a race war, and that uh, that tool is falling out of their hands as we speak. And that's why the panic, that's why the riots, that's why the overblown rhetoric from the left, which is ABC, NBC, CBS, The New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, that is the left. That's why they're spreading these false stories about the police. That's why they're spreading this craziness about defund the police, which brought Latinos out in droves to vote for Trump. That's what they're doing. But the fact is, we don't hate each other in this country. We are not. And Lincoln said it. We are not enemies. We're friends. It's them. It is. They have built, you know, talk about building a wall. They have built a wall between us. I think the wall is coming down. I think the wall is tumbling down. And I think that's the good news of this election. Whether there'll be more good news to come, we don't yet know. But we'll keep on it and we will find out. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show... It's not just another show about about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.